1: Southern Miss to the, top. to the
2: top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, happy hump day, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson, First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Dalton Esquire here with me in Hattiesburg, pushing all the buttons. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Going to be talking to a former Southern Miss basketball star turned basketball coach, and father of a great basketball player as well. John Prince will be joining us here in just a couple of moments on the Eagle Hour. Also, Luke and I will catch you up on all things upcoming for Southern Miss Athletics the remainder of this week and end of the weekend. May talk a little bit about the baseball scandal now that has uh, affected two Major League Baseball teams and uh, kind of curious to hear what Luke thinks about that. Other sports news from Southern Miss and Conference USA coming your way in the next hour as well. Opening segment of our show every day is sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Now, Dickie's Barbecue Pit, you hear us talk about those guys every day here on the Eagle Hour. That's because the food is always delicious. It's always fresh. It's cooked house in-house every day. And uh, every time you go, you're going to have a great dining experience. also want to remind you that Dickie's, uh, they're experts in catering. So if you're planning a Super Bowl party, a church get-together, a family get-together, just whatever. If you've got people coming over to your place, we suggest you enjoy the occasion. Call Dickies, let them do all the cooking, and they can even bring it right to you and set it up if that's what you would like. So Dickies has a wide variety of catering options, and uh, we encourage you, if you're in the Hattiesburg area, to check out our great Dickies here right by the mall just off Highway 98. want to thank Justin and all the guys at Dickies for their uh, never-ending support of the eagle hour all right luke johnson we're going to talk a little hoops here in uh, just a few minutes but before we do uh, to what degree are you surprised about this uh, major league baseball scandal and uh, the, you know the stealing of batting signals and is that such a big deal
0: we can get into it a little later uh, stealing signs is a part of the game but not how the astros did it and the one uh, you know connection between what Boston is getting looked at right now is Joey Cora who their manager that they mutually decided to to part ways with yesterday so you know, I was a catcher. I'll tell you a little later in the show how my sign, my signs got stolen in the middle of a high school baseball game. Uh, but, man, you talk about taking it not to 2.0. They uh, Houston took it to about 6.0. Right. So, yeah, um, the, well, the way they should have done it has no part in the game. Right.
2: All right, our first guest has never been accused of stealing baseball signs. John Prince is a basketball extraordinaire. During his time at Southern Miss, went on to coach. At Jackson State and Memphis State and had a son, uh, has a son, that played Division I uh, college and professional basketball. And we're happy to welcome John Prince to the show. And, John, you've never been accused of stealing any signs, am I correct? Well, uh, no, no, not really. Not in baseball, at
1: least. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys for having me.
2: Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. 73-77, uh, to 77, you played for the Golden Eagles. Jeep Clark and M.K. Turk. I want to ask you about MK Turk. You know, Jeep Clark is is just a guy that his name doesn't come up a lot when you talk about Southern Miss basketball, and and probably it should. Tell us, uh, remind our listeners about Coach Clark. Well Coach Clark uh uh recruited me out of Lumberton High School, which is,
1: you know, right down the road from Hattiesburg, but uh coach Mickey Harrington was the one who really, really recruited me. Uh uh Southern Miss Tulane, there were there were a number of people recruiting but uh Coach Clark was there and uh and uh when he came into uh my home for a home visit, my mother, Maureen, she 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 wanted to, me to go somewhere where they were going to make sure that I got my college degree and basketball at that time and the way I looked at it, it was just a mechanism to get to the next phase of my life but coach Clark is a guy that we should talk about he took uh, That's when southern miss had really started to plan division one basketball and as you know we were not in a conference so mm-hmm. heck we played an SEC schedule one year we paid played a combination of an SEC the old Southwestern conference schedule one year because we you know we, we had to go to those places in order to get them to come back the, mm-hmm. the thing about two for- one basketball games it was happening back then.
2: So I guess you guys played, what, a a bigger number of road games than you did home games in those days?
1: Well, not really, not really. It it, it was not as one-sided as you see it. Today, with some of the lower Division One or, or smaller conferences having to play nine or ten roads, nine or, uh, ten road games, uh, simply because they had to, they have to meet their budget. No, it was not at that extreme. But we played on the road as well as in Hattiesburg at at at, at Reed Green, and
2: uh, you know, big name teams came in and we went there. Right. M Club Hall of Famer, Thousand Point Club. Things turned out pretty good for you at Southern Miss, didn't they?
1: Well, uh, Southern Miss was a, a, a great situation for me. It allowed me to, uh, you know, get my college degree and as well play basketball, which I love to play. And and uh, with uh, Jeep, my first three years and Coach Turk, my last year. Coach Turk gave me a chance to start uh, another career of, of coaching, college coaching uh, there at Southern Miss. So it was one of those things that, that worked out well for me coming out of Lumberton, Mississippi in
2: 1973. Coach Turk was different than Coach Clark. How?
1: Well, Coach Clark, C- Coach Clark, Coach Harrington, and Coach Harrington was on Coach Turk's staff the first year. Uh, um, basketball had become a bigger thing. Uh, My senior year, Coach Turk came in from Memphis State at the time, not the University of Memphis now, but Memphis State. And, and of course, basketball here in Memphis, where I live today, is always big. I mean, from the college, from, well, from AAU up to the pros with with the Grizzlies here. But Coach Turk took it to another level as far as uh, alumni and fans were concerned. He gave us... Uh, uh, gave, gave the alumni and fans something to talk about because he he really pushed uh, the Golden Eagle
2: basketball to another level. No question about that. Uh, Luke, welcome John Prince to the Eagle Hour.
0: Hey, uh, Coach Prince, thanks for uh, coming on today, man. I, I was just you talking about taking something to uh, the next level. Your whole career you averaged 14 points a game, but, man, that senior year, Was it a different offensive philosophy um, that allowed you to uh, to score even more your senior year? You averaged 20 points a game uh, in 1976 and 1977.
1: Well, that was uh, you know, Coach Turk when uh, in later years we would sit and when he was still coaching and I was coaching, we would sit in the gym and talk about that. My senior year, Coach Turk came in and we had young good young players. We struggled, but we had good young players and and he, you know, he told me he says, hey, "You you have to be my leader, you have to be my guy and you have to go out there and and show the young kids how to play every night and, and not only in practice but every night and Prior to Coach Turk coming there, I, I, with, with Coach Clark, if you if, if if you can believe it, my freshman year was the first year freshmen were allowed to play, uh, you know, Division One basketball. Normally, you would have to sit out your freshman year, or not really sit out, but right. play junior varsity. So my freshman year, I played junior varsity and varsity for Coach Clark. But I got a chance to play varsity because I could play defense, and that's. You know, that got me playing time and, and eventually got me a starting job at the end of my freshman year. And from that point on, the offense became, you know, a, a, as well came along. But with Coach Turk, he says, hey, look, you got to do both. But on the offensive end, you've got to go get points for us. And I did it. Do you I, were... I, I...
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: When was the first time the jacket got tossed in that 1976 to 1977 season? Well, Coach Turk,
1: people, uh, I think it was about uh, two minutes into the first game (laughs) of the first half. (laughs) Uh, A a, a funny story, I, I think my senior, we played Ole Miss in about the third or fourth game in Jackson at the Coliseum. And and Coach Turk and I had had established a relationship, and it got better through time because I was always around. But he would always tell me in practice and stuff. He says, "I'm going to yell, and the coach is going to yell, and most of the time we're going to yell at you." And I would say, "Well, but coach, if I'm doing your job, my job, why are you yelling at me?" He says, "I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at the younger players, but you know they can't handle it. You can." So we were we were in Jackson playing Ole Miss, and. Uh, the game was going good, and and, and Kenny, Kenny out of uh, Atlanta, Kenny, Kenny went on to be a really good guard at Southern Mess and a really great player there. And uh, Kenny Smith, and uh, and Kenny was having one of those nights, and so Coach Kirk, Coach Turk, calls a timeout and he's he's getting on me and and my mom was sitting in the first or second row right behind the bench and he reached over and kind of tapped me in the stomach you know and and, and was yelling and i looked up on the rail and my mom was coming across the rail and and i told coach Turk i said hey tune it down a little bit you got my mother upset he goes well she knows i'm not yelling at you but he always yelling through that jacket so it's just one of those things yeah hey john we'd like, we'd like
2: to hold you over we got a short three minute break I want to talk to you some more about your days here and your coaching career is that cool
1: that's cool i'll, I'll wait
2: all right no john problem. prince former basketball star and basketball coach on the eagle hour look forward to continuing our conversation with mr prince right after this
1: Southern Miss to the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
2: Welcome back to the show, everybody. Bob, Luke, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We always appreciate all that First Bank does for the Eagle Hour. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Other great supporters of the Eagle Hour we're very grateful to. They're located on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus. Or, of course, you can shop their great inventory of Southern Miss apparel and household items and car accessories at campusbookmart.net, and we encourage you to do just that. We're talking to John Prince, former basketball star for the Golden Eagles and basketball coach. And Before we move on to the coaching part of your career, John, and I do this with pretty much anybody that comes on the show that, Had the opportunity to play for Coach Turk. I had the great privilege of knowing Coach Turk back when I was doing sports and television. And uh, I don't know. I I don't know that there's ever been a man that I liked more, and uh, a a guy that had more influence on so many people as Coach Turk. He he was a wonderful man. I'd like for you to just speak to Coach Turk for just a moment. uh, Your memories of him.
1: Well, you know, I was really blessed. I had coach Clark and coach Harrington early and and they cared about players and looked out for the players, but as you said, coach Turk, I owe him, uh, you know, when we lost him 4 or 5 years ago, it really uh uh it was like the second time my 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 father had passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh uh he was a great man who Demanded a lot of of you, not only as a basketball player, but as a young man and a person, and he had so much influence on so many people, and I, I tell people it was a joy to... To uh, to play for him and, and be his friend later on in life because you know as a player when you're running wind sprints and he's he's telling you you know to get up and get down and get back and this and that you know you, you get a little frustrated at the time but but at the end of the day you know why he pushed you so hard not only on the court but off the court and in the classroom and to be a good person. So he was uh, like you say he was he was a great man one of my all-time favorite people. I had a high school coach Ronnie Cowser. Uh that was like coach Turk. Uh demanded the best out of you and you know People like the MK Turks of the world are missing in a coaching business now. I talk to my friends, and there is a disconnect simply because of just how things are done nowadays. But, mm-hmm. like you say, I, I Coach Turk and, and Katrina as a family, I. I uh, you know, they looked out for all the players, all of us. He he had daughters, but he had a lot of sons too. Right. Uh, you know, everybody says, "Well, uh, the girls were his girls, but we were his boys," and and he took care
2: of us. Right. Now, you said earlier in the show that he he was influential. You you coached at Memphis State, and then you went on to be the head coach at Jackson State. And how did Coach Turk help you make that leap?
1: Well, you, you know, I I. I I got my start in coaching because of Coach Turk. I worked at Southern Miss for, for a year. And, and each time that I ascended up the ladder, I left Southern Miss and went to Livingston University. And old, I, I, Believe it or not, I was an assistant coach at Ole Miss. Mm. Uh, 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 and uh, we won an SEC championship there and the NCAA playoffs. And Coach Turk uh, always uh, was there pushing me even as a coach and sometimes I was recruiting against him you know but mm-hmm. but he, he, he what he did and the way he did things he was very well organized he demanded from the players on and off the court and I took that and used it in my coaching philosophy and and and, and uh, we, we used to talk about it when he was alive at Christmas time how many uh, Christmas cards you would get from former players. And that let us uh, know that we were doing the right things. We were doing the Right. right things.
2: So did I understand you to say that while you were coaching, Coach Turk continued to be a part of your life and continued to help you in the development of your career?
1: oh yeah we uh we would uh for years we would after the season we would go fishing uh 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 deep sea fishing out of uh Biloxi and uh and and we had a great time and but that time was spent uh talking basketball and, and talking about recruiting and just talking about life what what's going on you know and everything mm-hmm. uh uh southern miss uh probably gave me um, the the one of the best things uh, of my life, which is my wife. Uh, we've been married 44 years, and but I met her there at Southern Miss, you know, and, and I was one of the few players who were married and in college. And uh, so one of those things, uh, I, Coach Turk would get on me, you know, you have a bad day in practice, and he, he would say, I'm going to make you sleep on my couch, you know, but that, <laughs> that was a running joke. But great man who who always mentored everybody who played for him and coached uh uh, with him and and everything, you, you talk about Robert McInnes and Mike Jones, who were assistants at that time. We, we're still friends to this day. But Coach Turk always had a family atmosphere around him, and it was a great thing for us.
2: Right. Luke?
0: So, um, Coach Prince, when you went to, uh, to Jackson State and, and coached there, you had, you know, a lot of people uh, are assistant coaches for a while, and man, then they get their their headshot. What was it like for you to to be a uh, a head coach, and was it everything that uh, you'd always wanted?
1: Well, you know, when you're an assistant, you really think you, you from day one you're ready to be a head coach. But I, I tease a lot of my friends who become head coaches, and we talk about it, moving that one chair over is a big, big step. You know, you, you normally sit next to the head coach, and, and, you know, you make suggestions, but you don't make the decisions. You know, and uh, making decisions are, are, are tough. But but Coach Turk and, and Gene Bartow, who was at UAB, uh, uh, Ed Murphy, who later coached at Ole Miss and Delta State, those guys were, were good for me, uh, getting me, where I needed to be to become the head coach at jackson state and i and, and I had a great time at jackson state uh It was a division one we played in the SWAC, and and a lot of a lot of hurdles I had to overcome, I was able to because I could bounce things off the, the m k Turks of the world and and say, "Okay, I got this hurdle, help me get over it. give me some suggestions. and like i said uh uh we were all coaching. But we all still had our coaching tree, and, and, and we wanted everybody in that tree to be successful, you know.
0: Right. You talked about moving chairs. Uh, eventually the chair that you started to sit in was father. And, uh, man, I, I remember um, your son, JP, went to Arizona first, I believe, and then everybody remembers him in some of those tourney- tournament games uh, for Tennessee. What was it like whenever you had um, a son playing on the national level uh, with the background that you had?
1: Well, you know, it it was uh, J.P. grew up, and my daughter Lauren, uh, they both grew up on a basketball court chasing a basketball, but J.P. more so than my daughter. J.P. from day one, uh, when we get together now, uh, we'll look at uh, his AAU stuff, and even when he was born in Jackson, when he was seven or eight months old, we have video of him chasing a basketball. He's crawling around the floor before a game scooting up and kicking a basketball. You know, that's the only thing he he wanted to do. And I was able to. I was a basketball coach, and he was able to be there with me. And, and when I was at home trying to spend time with the family watching tape, he would sit there right beside me. So it helped in his development as a, as a college player and eventually a professional player. And, uh, I, you know, for me watching my son out there, uh, 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 when, when we would go to, to the University of Georgia and play, he would go to the University of Georgia and play, and we rarely missed a game. It was kind of surreal that I played in that same arena. I coached in that arena. And now I was sitting there watching my son play in that arena. Wow. Uh, Vanderbilt was the same way. Uh, Tuscaloosa, same way. So, so it was, it, it was great. It, it, we had a lot of fun as a family. We, we, uh, spent a lot of nights on the road. Uh, there were some nights uh uh we would after a game on the road we would get in get in the uh, that suburban and head back to Memphis and j p would call us two hours later and they would be back in Knoxville or uh, you know because they were on a charter flight, but I was driving, <laughs> but we had fun My we dad experienced
0: fun. that when I played college football uh, for for sure you you uh, you said you you know you never missed a game. I, I was counting up. Uh, I bet you've missed a few of the, the professional games because he's played on four continents. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Now now, after his first professional game in Turkey, we were there. The whole family, we were there. And after that, you know, I, I, he was a grown. He he was a lot more mature and everything, and he understood that. But but but. Uh, uh, he always enjoyed when when we were there, and and I tell a lot of my friends and who are granddads and and, and a lot of people who have kids. I said, I said it's a sacrifice, but be there because they always play better when they got family in the stands. They always got. Uh, uh, there was a game here, uh, JP's first year at he was elsewhere at Tennessee after he had left Arizona. He uh you know, he got really sick at Arizona at the end of his freshman year and and uh CBS did a a feature on it. JP was in a coma for twenty seven days. Oh, uh, wow. uh and uh we got him well and got him back playing basketball but that uh Tennessee uh University of Tennessee played Memphis the University of Memphis here. Memphis was number one in the country and Tennessee was number two in the country. Hmm. And, and uh, it was played as the most watched game on ESPN ever, uh, college game ever. And uh, he was sitting there. Uh, uh, J.P. made two free throws with six seconds on the clock to to ice the game. They were up one to ice the game, and he got a rebound and got fouled. But but anyway, our neighbors and everything was watching, and, and we had family there. When he got ready to shoot that free throw, you know, everybody was, was yelling and standing up. And, and and he knew where I was sitting, and I stood up and and in a sense mild the word hold oh, your follow through. Mr. Prince, hold it on was,
2: one second. We're fixing to hit a hard break, sir, and I uh, hate to do that to you, but the uh, computer. No, I understand. To... Thank you very much for your time, sir. Very much. Okay. Thank you.
1: The Eagle Hour,
2: Southern Miss to the top greatly
0: appreciate John Prince for joining us, a man with Southern Miss history, uh, M Club Hall of Fame, 1,000-point member, and then, of course, the father of J.P. Prince, who played at the University of Tennessee and now plays professionally. Appreciate Coach Prince for joining us. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar & Grill, located just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Bob, Luke, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, and beautiful downtown Laurel. Well, uh, baseball just around the corner, and uh, I, I was pulling up the Southern Miss uh, website a, a little while ago and meant to click on basketball, clicked on baseball, and just staring right there in front of me was the schedule. And, yeah, Bob, uh, maybe 30 days today until Valentine's Day?
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, I was wondering about something with all the rain that we've been having. I think the I think the new artificial turf is down, as I understand do you suppose, Luke that this weather presents any any potential damage to that new field or do you think it's it's down enough now that the you know it's there to do what it's supposed to do, which is get rid of the water on the field
0: yeah they' they're fine on it. it if it was pretty cool the other day they were posting uh the the um how how far it's come and they put the, they stitched in the u s m right behind home plate mm-hmm. uh, it looks it looks really really good and i mean the week in two weeks like we're having right now, Scott Berry's feeling better about that surface, you know, every um, single day. Uh, you know, talking baseball, and we need to, need to talk about this because baseball comes, and one of those just kind of uh, things about the game, uh, there's been some talk in Major League Baseball and been some action in Major League Baseball. If you win the World Series – and then you find out that you were cheating the whole time that you uh, won the World Series and what allowed you to win the World Series. Should Major League Baseball make the Houston Astros give back uh, the ring? Um, Bob, I know you've been following this story a little bit. Yeah. You know,
2: Pitch stealing, sign stealing, it's part of the
0: game, but not to the level that the Astros
2: were mm-hmm. doing it. I don't know. That's a great question. I thought about that when I first heard about the story breaking, and uh, I don't know that I've seen anything that indicates they're going to do that. That would be a, a mighty drastic step. And uh, I don't know, Luke, can you, go, can you go back to a seven-game series and say this team won because it was getting some advantage on, on getting the pitch signals? I mean, you still had to hit the ball, feel the ball. Uh, make the outs. So I, I think that would uh, probably be a bit extreme. I wonder this. Were the Astros still doing that this year when they were playing the Nationals to go to the World Series?
0: Who knows? Uh, Joey Cora obviously was not still there, but you know, if this came out a couple days ago, if you're unfamiliar with what we're talking about, Major League Baseball announced the punishment for the Houston Astros. They suspend uh, the manager who eventually got fired, uh, the general manager for the Astros for one year. Here's where the the other stuff comes in, because Houston had a, uh, if you remember how dismal they were about eight years ago, and. And now having a Wonder World Series is because of their farm system. They lose first and second round picks this year and next year. They get fined five million dollars because they used to cheat, they use technology to cheat. So basically what they would do is they had a camera in in center field, which is allowed by Major League Baseball. But what they would do is they would find out the uh, the signs from the catcher and then they would They had, like, a room set up um, where different monitors were, and they actually had staff personnel working those monitors. So they would decode uh, the – they would basically figure out what the signs were, and then they would have a runner, and he would go back and forth from the dugout. (laughs) And, yeah, and supposedly Joey Cora was – all behind this and now the Red Sox are under investigation and uh, you know the dot that connects the two is Joey Cora and Red Sox planned uh, or they they parted ways with with Cora yesterday but i mean that's a big deal you you talk about a ring it's done they will they probably will and and will likely keep their rings no bringing back the championship but you lose four draft picks 5 million dollars is nothing for a major league team i felt like they should have maybe hit them harder on the financial front
2: well, they lost their coach, too, though, right? They lost their general manager. So, I mean, it's a heck of a blow.
0: It is, but they were going to get another manager anyway. I mean, you're not – that dude, even if he was like, yeah, uh, I tried to stop it, it's, it's your team. Like, you have to stop it. So he was gone mm-hmm. anyway. Right. Um, general manager does does do that. But, you know, growing up, man, playing high school baseball, man, we I, – I, I was playing uh, for West Jones, and I was, I was a catcher in high school. And they had a uh, a coach on first base. We we're playing Gulfport High. We were at West Jones, and so he starts telling like he's not trying to decode it. He just like tells his batters like, "Hey, uh, fastball," or just say, "Hey, breaking ball." And I didn't know what was going on, so I, I like closed my legs inside her. I was like, "There's no way he's seeing me from the first base side." And man, I would try to hit my my pitches uh, or my, my my fingers a little higher. What he was doing was my, our pitcher would put the ball behind his his. Uh, back in the stretch, and this guy was just watching how he gripped the ball and he knew what was coming. So they did that. That's the old-fashioned way. Mm -hmm. Um, But you talk about cameras, you talk about screens, you talk about runners – Yeah, there's a reason why Major League Baseball
2: uh, got onto the Astros for this. So it's like they had a boiler room down inside the stadium where they were digesting all this information and guys running back and forth. It's really kind of hard to believe when you think about it. I mean,
0: the way Luke's describing it, it sounds like it's some kind of like conspiracy theory nonsense. Well, yeah, it
2: almost sounds like a movie. It really does. Instead of being a reality. Uh, Crazy, Luke. I don't guess anything's ever really – you know, baseball's always been – it's always been kind of fun, a fun part of baseball, you know, that the pitcher's got something on his pants and, you know, the pitcher's putting something on his hands to improve his grip and the guys are putting the illegal stuff on the bats. But this is just sort of like cheating on steroids. Am I right, Luke?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is pretty sophisticated. They actually came up with a plan like this. Um, we had a guy played high school baseball with us, and, you know, he, we always keep charts. So you keep a pitch chart, you, ch- you keep track of uh, how many pitches the guy's throwing, how many fastballs. But we had a guy on, on our team, and he's probably, he will listen to the show, so I won't say who he is. Anyway, his chart wasn't like fastball, you know, curveball. His chart was ear, nose, chin, hat. And what he would do is he would just watch this this opposing coach over there and uh, sign in the the signals to the catcher for what pitch, and he would call us up in the second inning. I broke it, dudes. I broke it. Name <laughs> if I call your name, fastball. If I say your number, breaking ball. And about ninety to ninety five percent of the time, he was dead on. Now we didn't we didn't get suspended or fired. You know stuff like that. That's part of the game, man. Right. But when you start incorporating technology, it's not. So so here's your your next question, Bob. When you start talking about this and the Patriots with Spygate, and even you know trying to to scout ahead to beat the 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 Bengals, you know a few weeks ago, I guess the World Series is on the line here. But does this cause the other? the other major uh, sporting leagues
2: to make sure and, and maybe to clamp down even more? I think it's going to have to. I, I think you just you, – no matter the sport, you want there to be integrity in your sport. And you don't want fans thinking, you know, well, is, is this team cheating to win? So, yeah, I, I certainly would think so. And I'm not here to defend the New England Patriots, but I don't think what they're accused of doing through the years even rises to the level of what the Astros have done. Do you?
0: Um, the Patriots being—if if it was for the Patriots, if it feels like in a playoff game, or especially in the Super Bowl. Like, if something goes down in the Super Bowl, like the world's going to explode. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the. This is regular season, but it makes you you know wonder what have they done, or have they done anything, or are they the only ones? Um, I don't think that the Patriots are the only ones that have no. done anything like that. No, at
2: all. It's sort of like cheating, I suppose, in college football. I mean, you have to believe a lot of schools are doing it. And speaking of that, we may run out of time, but this is the world we live in, people – Now there's a big hoopla in New Orleans uh, that the police got upset that the kids from LSU had cigars in the locker room after winning the national championship. And as my friend J.P. so aptly pointed out this morning, it would have been okay for the LSU players to use the women's bathrooms in the Superdome. That would have been perfectly acceptable. But God forbid they have a cigar in their mouth, and now there's a big furor over that. Luke, it's just sort of like we live in a society where – someone is always looking for something to be upset about, right?
0: You think Joe Burrow cares what no. any of those guys said the other night? No. Hey, how about um, how about Beckham uh, getting a little extra bowl gifts in there? Uh, OBJ yeah, comes up there. There you go. And, uh, or JB, he comes in there and, uh, hey, $300 handshake, $500 handshake. Hey, yeah. where's the NCAA? Hey, who cares, right? right.
2: I mean. Now, again, nobody's upset <laughs> yeah. about that. But they're upset over the kids having cigars after after winning the national. We just live in an upside down world and um uh you, know. you
0: think you think LSU is going to be investigated by the NCAA to, uh, about providing improper benefits on national No, but I think
2: Louisiana Adler. Monroe is very nervous right now because I think they're afraid <laughs> the NCAA will be so angry at LSU they'll turn their ire on the Warhawks up in you know, Louisiana we, Monroe.
0: We got put on probation, when was it, in the 80s, because we gave someone's mom a baked ham and that person didn't even end up signing
2: with us. Right. You know? Right. But LSU... They live by a different standard. I think it's fair to say. As do a lot. Hey of, Beckham, lot if of you're uh, if you're
0: stuff. out there listening, Odell, if you're out there listening uh, to the Eagle Hour, um, I'd take a fifty dollar handshake right now. And we know you, Laurel, you are.
2: We know you are, Odell. So come across with the cash. We'll be right back.
1: To the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour.
0: Southern Miss to the top. Toyota Hattiesburg brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg or online. Toyota Hattiesburg. Dot com Toyota, one of the best out there in the business, and Toyota Hattiesburg has everything you need. Bob, Luke, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder, uh, Golden Eagles in Reed Green Coliseum tomorrow night against the North Texas Main Green. Um, who's three and one in the conference? Golden Eagles still looking for that first win. Tip off at 7 p.m. And just a reminder that zip code ticket promotion is going on. If you live in uh, zip code 39307, I think that's Meridian, Lauderdale County, uh, you can get chair back seats for only eight bucks. So uh, be sure to take advantage of the ticket sale promotion going on, ladies. On the road out in Denton, Texas, and Lady Eagles uh, right at the top, Bob, uh, number two or three in Conference USA right now, and. I think it's safe to say with the Lady Eagles, uh, as Shantae Hills goes, um, they will go. And, and uh, we need to get Coach, Coach McNellis yeah. back on early next week because this has been a scorching
2: start for the Lady Eagles. Well, we don't want to lose sight of that. You know, we've talked a lot about the men's program and their struggles, but the women are not struggling. And they're off to the best start I think they've gotten off to in probably the last five or six years. So uh, these are pretty exciting times for Coach McNellis and couldn't happen to a nicer lady, man. You can't you can't if you're ever in a position to meet joy lee mcnellis one time you will be a fan for the rest of her career she's she's uh that special a, a woman and i know you agree with me about that
0: yeah and i love having her on the eagle hour i can ask her one question man i get a 10-minute right. segment in it's yeah. awesome you know she's grab a, a, snack, <laughs> no, grab a you, snack go to the men's her, room whatever you need yeah her energy is uh, infectious, for sure, very much so. Hey, back to the um, Odell Beckham deal. Um, you know, here's TMZ Sports is reporting, which I don't know if we should trust him or not. But Joe Burrow says Odell Beckham gave him real cash after LSU won the national championship, and there's nothing that the NCAA can do about it because he says, I'm not a student athlete anymore, so I can say, yeah, he gave me money.
2: Well, I would so I say guess that Joe Burrow has a point. I, I would say that the that that Joe understands the NCAA would never lay a glove on LSU football. Never, ever going to happen. The equivalent and other sports would be the you know the embarrassing situation at the University of North Carolina. There are just some programs in certain sports, and I I think you know this as well as me that the NCAA will never touch. And LSU football certainly is uh, is one of those right now, no question about that. But you know Odell Beckham. And I guess you could he, say maybe y'all should know I, a little better than to do that. But it is Odell Beckham, right?
0: He's a Cleveland Brown. I feel sorry for him. You know, I, I guess you should give props to Major League Baseball um, for for laying the hammer. Right. Um right. And I guess you should say the NFL didn't do enough uh, with with the Patriots. But anyway, it mm. it is um, for sure um, what it is. But. Anyway, Golden Eagles back out on the hardwood tomorrow night, 7 p.m. against North Texas. We will break that one uh, down for you tomorrow. You just got to feel like sooner or later a break's going to go their way. North Texas is pretty hot right now. Um, There's an article up also on SouthernMiss.com about Arter Kanatsuk, who's from Estonia, 5,000 miles away from home. You know, you, you talk about it, and you've seen some some players over the years, Bob. It is a challenge you know, for these kids, especially you know when their own family doesn't even live in the United States. We saw that when Gabe Montenegro first came to Southern Miss. But you got to give big props uh, to these student-athletes that not right. only leave um, their home, they leave their country in order to come play at well, Southern Miss. And
2: I have a little experience with that. I, I, have a, I had a child that for a, f- a few years lived in Europe and uh, – you're so disjointed from them because when it's daytime there, it's nighttime here. In other words, there's you never have anything in common with them in in regard to what time of the day it is. You know what they're doing, and so many times I we'd we'd find ourselves talking to our son late, late, late at night because that's when he could talk during the day or reverse. So. And he and in his case, he had the protection of the United States military around him. So that's different. I think it would even be more difficult, in a sense, with kids like this, you know, because, uh, you know, you don't you don't have people really to the degree supervising them that you would have kids in the military. But you got to admire it. You got to admire the kid. He's pretty tough to come this far away from home. And I think he's played well, too, don't you?
0: he has and it's exciting to have a six foot seven freshman out there it's have a, a six foot seven anybody um, out there has been has been fun to watch so right. um I, I don't know what to tell everybody out there about this basketball team you got to be patient with them we knew it was going to be a rebuild we knew the schedule was going to be tough um, and apart from the first uh, Louisiana Tech game they've been in every game mm-hmm. um you know, they just, they've been there and just a, a break here, a break, uh, there and, and the game, they, they'll, they'll be trailing by five points or less and they've held, held the lead. So I think that's the thing Jay Ladner's looking to go into tomorrow night is to say, how can we limit these explosive runs? Where we work so hard to bring the game even and then watch it fade away at the end. That's what I think they'll try to accomplish tomorrow night against North Texas.
2: Everybody be patient with Coach Ladner and his program. He's got a big rebuilding job, but I think he's going to get it done. And uh, certainly we're in his corner. All right, the professor joins us tomorrow. We'll have other great guests, too, the remainder of the week. And uh, we'll all be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss to the top. Slipping,
1: slipping into the future and Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future I want to fly like an eagle